You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock, Eric Crocker with you. Joining us today, always one of my favorite guests here on Locked On 49ers, Matt Barrows. He is 49ers beat writer for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Matt, you've been doing this for so long, and uh, this has probably got to be one of the most interesting off-seasons in your tenure as a 49ers beat writer, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think that was a, a way of saying that I look old, uh, am old, but uh, I'll give you a pass on that. I mean, um, yeah, this is basically the, the third time I've been covering this team when they've had a high profile quarterback coming in. Alex Smith in 2005, Colin Kaepernick in, in 2011, and, and now Trey Lance. And I can say without reservation that Lance looks the best out of all three of those guys. I mean, the circumstances were so different, each one. I, I don't even think we should, you know, include Kaepernick. He had a um, an injury coming into that 2011 season. That's the lockout season, too. So there was no offseason. And so I don't think the plan was ever to really use him as a rookie, and they didn't. Um, uh, it was, wasn't until the next year. That's when they started to fold him in, and that was the Alex Smith uh, – concussion year and that's when he started to roll but as far as rookie seasons this is um hands down the most impressive performance i've seen from a rookie hey matt i mean this is a very unique situation as well like have you ever seen a coach go about it in a way to where he might use a two quarterback system I had well, I mean, a little bit in 2012. I mean, it, I forget what I have to go back and look at what the snap counts were. I don't think Kaepernick was getting more than I don't know three or four snaps a game uh, early in that season. Um, so, but they definitely had packages that were specific to Colin Kaepernick. Uh, so, I mean, in, in that regard, I think it's similar to what Shanahan is doing. I, I think the beauty of Trey Lance is that. You know, Trey Lance goes into a game, say, in week one, say it's in the second quarter. Everybody, everyone's going to think, oh, it's going to be a run because that's that's sort of the specialized plays that they've been doing. He, he does the the passing plays just as well. Uh, so um, that's sort of the, the double-edged sword that uh, he's got going on when Lance comes in. I don't know if it was the way it was worded, but in the Albert Breer article, it, it sounded a lot different from Shanahan in that quote. Maybe it's just in print. It looks different than what we've heard from him at the podium. And he had talked about that situationally Trey Lance would play this year, but it, it almost sounded like there were plans for a quarterback committee. And that's, that's where I sort of thought, well, wait a second, this is going to be weird because the old saying is when you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. And that's that's something I did not expect to hear coming from Kyle Shanahan. Did you get that vibe from that quote? And have you gotten that specific sort of a vibe in any other conversations with the coach? Yeah, that would surprise me because you're right. You can't really vacillate between two starters. I don't think it would be fair for those two guys where, you know, the offensive line has to. These are these are two distinct um, guys right now. So uh, I think that would be difficult for them to do. I mean, I, I think the idea and, uh, you know, when they drafted Trey Lance was was this, that that the, they would start out the season with Jimmy Garoppolo 
Lance would be um, incorporated into games. Uh, and then if there was ever a, a snag, a rough patch, um, then they would sort of address the idea of going with Lance full time. I think what's happened, you know, especially that that first week of training camp. I mean, the 49ers weren't sure how Trey Lance was going to come from OTAs to training camp. To me, that's this is the story of training camp so far. It's what happened before training camp, which was Trey Lance aced his his summer vacation. I mean, he he not only learned the the playbook, but he you know worked on his technique and he was a little bit more accurate. To me, what what what's surprising about Trey Lance is how aggressive he was, how bold he was to begin training camp. It wasn't kind of a tentative. I'm just learning things. I'm figuring things out. He was attacking all aspects of the field, and that was just with his arm in the first few practices, then he started doing this leg. And so I, I have to imagine that the 49ers were just as impressed slash surprised by that. They weren't expecting him to be that good. So it didn't change the, the overall plan, which again is to kind of use him in, in spurts uh, to begin the season. But I think it, it makes uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, rope, if you will, um, his leeway a little, less a little more restrictive that he, he doesn't have quite as much room to have a skid uh because i think they they are encouraged that that if they turn the whole ship over to lance that that he could do it there are fans out there that think nah it's better just just sit him let him develop right but when you look at trey lance and you look at jimmy garoppolo as of now when you're just watching in practice what are the differences right between the two like what do you get from jimmy garoppolo right now that you can't get from Trey Lance? I'd say one of the differences that we're seeing is in, in the move the ball period. So th- these are 11 and 11 situations, offense versus defense. But um, instead of three plays and then it's somebody else's turn, you know, uh, Garoppolo or, or Lance is, is moving the length of the field or at least trying to do so. And I think that Garoppolo has been – a little bit better than Lance in sort of matriculating the ball down the field, picking up first downs. Now, are there extenuating circumstances? Yeah, there are. One of which is that Lance is operating be- behind a uh, second team offensive line that's been whipped up by some of these veteran, uh, especially veteran interior defenders uh, like uh, Maurice Hurst and Zach Kerr. These guys are having a field day in practice because they're they're going up against uh, rookies and, and second year players. So I think that's been been part of it. Um, uh, but I, I think Garoppolo has been better at that. Now where Lance has been better, and, and we saw that today, is um, you know there was a situation where uh, Garoppolo was up and he had Debo Samuel open going down the right sideline, and and he missed Debo Samuel. The very next series. Uh, Trey Lance comes in, he's got Debo Samuel going down the right sideline, and it hits him with a, a really nice ball. Garoppolo has hit some long ones. Lance has hit more and 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 consistently been closer on, on the ones that he's missed, too. So this idea that uh, Trey Lance can throw to everywhere. He can throw to every portion of the field, and he can sort of expand plays, extend plays better than Jimmy Garoppolo can. Um, now, whether he can do that consistently – whether, you know, um, he can sort of uh, do the move the ball stuff as well as Garoppolo. I think that's a, a bit of a question mark right now. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, both guys, like I, I just noted, um, 
Lance was throwing to Debo Samuel. Samuel was going against Ambry Thomas, uh, a rookie in that situation. When Garoppolo's up and he's throwing to Samuel, Samuel's either going against Emmanuel Mosley or Jason Barrett. So uh, there's some apples, oranges um, things with these guys that you have to take into account when you're looking at the at the raw numbers. When you talk about some of the inconsistencies that uh, Trey Lance has had with moving the ball and maybe making some of these throws, do you think that's something he can improve on while sitting and developing, or do you think that's something that he maybe just needs the reps or the in-game reps to continue to improve on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I can't find any like glaring flaws in his game. I think some of these move the ball things have been foiled, like I said, because he's getting flushed out of the pocket like from the get-go. Um, you know, back in OTAs when he missed, he seemed to miss high. Uh, and and the, the 49ers thought that that was an issue with his his lower body, his base. He seems to really have kind of, I, I don't want to say um, remedied that because uh, these guys are always working on that. And every now and then there is a, a, a high throw. When he misses, it's, it's usually high. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I guess to answer your question, Eric, that's that's one thing that you, you just need reps to sort of work out at this point. But, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of obvious flaws in his game at this point. Debo Samuel looking good. Brandon Ayuk looking good. What about the rest of the 49ers wide receivers next? And we'll talk about the 49ers defense as well with Matt Barrows. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? You can't see what he's looking at. He's looking at this screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Then you got to come back and wait for the part to even get there. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket with an endless supply of everything you need for your vehicle. I'm always blown away at how much they have in stock at rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and are always reliably low just let them know that locked on sent you right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com debo samuel you called him a top three player in camp earlier and i want to talk about that wide receiver group because it was a big question coming into training camp it was sort of seemed like uh, the, the front office plan was throw numbers at the position and we'll find six guys who can make the roster. And we know yeah. Ayuk and Debo are the starters there, but Debo looks a little trimmer uh, and seems like maybe getting downfield and practice a little more. Is, is that on him? Is that just seems to be an emphasis that they're they're pushing the ball down the field a little bit? Or is that sort of uh, the nature of a competition where Jimmy Garoppolo is like, look, I got to throw downfield more because I got this big strong arm rookie behind me. Yeah, I, I think it's it's all of the above. I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo um, saw what was happening that first week and, and realized, you know, I, I I have to kind of push myself beyond where I'm comfortable. Um, I will say that, you know, if, if you ask me to cite the three best players in training camp so far, Debo Samuel would, would be on that list, no question. He has been impressive 
Um, because of that, I mean, he's at, you know, Debo Samuel is c- catch a short pass, run over three guys. Uh, they're not doing that in training camp because uh, they can't. So, you know, he's been prolific without the uh, prototypical Debo Samuel stuff that we've seen the, the past two years. So um, he's looked really, really good. And Ayuk's look good, too. And these guys run a lot of routes every day. Um, Ayuk is, is, is packed on some pounds. You, you see it. He looks, it just looks bigger, broader. Uh, he's more capable of taking on tacklers. Uh, Samuel got a little bit smaller from last year, but he's still up around 220. Um, he, he's just a, a hair underneath that. So, you know, both of these guys are, are a handful, but you're right, Brian. I mean, th- there's a distinct drop off from uh, Samuel and Ayuk to the next group. And then, you know, after the, per- the, the, the first four receivers, I don't know who's next. I don't know who makes this team after that. And I think the 49ers are hoping these upcoming preseason games really um, kind of uh, give them an obvious answer that somebody goes out and kind of seizes the opportunity against the Chiefs, Chargers, and, and Raiders. Who are you counting as those first four receivers? We know it's Debo and Ayuk. Uh, to me, it seems like it's Sanu and Sherfield. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, I think uh, Sherfield makes a team. I mean, he's your top gunner. And um, there was one practice, for example, where uh, Debo was out. And I said to myself, okay, who's going to step up? Someone's got to step up with uh, with no Samuel today. And it was Sherfield. I mean, and like I said, it was one of those, you don't have to think about it. You you just know. Uh, so Sherfield really kind of stepped up in that instance. And, and, and he has... Uh, since then as well. So he's got both the special teams and the uh, ability to work from the outside. And I think Sanu is probably next. I mean, he's just a, a veteran guy who stabilizes the whole thing. Uh, I guess there's a bit of a question about him where if he was on the week one roster, they'd be uh, obliged to pay him his full year long salary. So uh, I don't think that they'll do any sort of trickery with that I, I mean i think if he's the number three guy he's the number three guy you don't you know uh risk him uh by not having him on the week one roster um and then after that i i, I really don't know um richie james has been richie james looks great one practice uh, has a couple of drops the next travis benjamin really has yet to show up kevin white was cut uh today um you know, uh, Juwan Jennings, I think, is a guy who, you know, he's got fresh legs now. He's he's very uh, apparent in practices. He's one of these guys that I think a couple of strong preseason games can really do a lot for him and, and maybe put him into that number five spot. Does a guy like Jordan Matthews make this squad? Because, I mean, obviously we know George Kittle, he's the guy. George Kittle has missed some games, right? Like, consistently throughout his career. So if he goes down, you got Ross Dwelly, you got Jordan Matthews. Has Jordan Matthews looked good in the pass catching game as well as blocking? Because I, I thought that would be the biggest transition for, for him going from being a big body wide receiver to actually having to put his hand in the dirt. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, an idea out there that Jordan Matthews can be your number six receiver slash number four tight end. Um, now, whether they can get him to the practice squad and they can sort of have him in, in that role there, I, I think they could. Um, all these teams had a chance to sign Matthews when, when training camp began. And, and I don't know how many days into training camp we were when the 49ers made that move. But, I mean, you, you see the potential there. And, and, and the point that John Embry, the tight ends coach, was making the other day is that he's just so 
eager and willing to do it. And that's, I don't know what percentage we're talking about, 90, 95%, just the desire to be out there. And he's full of energy and um, he wants to make this work. And, and so he, you think that with all that behind him, he, he will. Um, for him, it's about technique. Um, and, and the blocking, to answer your question, Eric, is not there. I mean, I see him get flung down in practice sometimes. And it, which, that's what you expect with a receiver who's transitioning to tight end. Now, the question is whether the 49ers will risk putting him in a game situation if, if that's happening. Um, but they can, you know, at, at least early on, they can sort of work their way around that. I mean, they can line him up in the slot, not all that different than what he did as a receiver. Uh, it's, it's when they put him in line, put him at the end of the line of scrimmage, which is what, what they want um, from these tight ends, uh, is can he hold his ground? Um, Emory had a really good point. You know, Jordan Matthews is not that much different weight-wise than Ross Dwelly. The, the difference now is that Dwelly has enough technique that he can hold a guy at the line of scrimmage. He's not going to drive him, you know, 15 yards downfield like George Kittle does, but there's enough, enough technique in him that he can hold his own. And that's where they want to get Jordan Matthews. Can he hold his own um, instead of being a, a liability as a blocker? I'm not saying he's a liability now, but he's not where he needs to be. He's coming along real fast, though. And uh, Jordan Reed, I can't remember a time when Jordan Reed really had his hand in the dirt and was blocking a defensive end one-on-one last year anyway, right? He's working out of the slot uh, almost exclusively. I, 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 I can't remember a single time he lined up at the end of the line of scrimmage. I mean, the whole idea with Jordan Reed is that you get – George Kittle in that Y spot at the end of the line. And then you have Jordan Reed working out of the the slot, what they call the F and you've got, you know, some real, um, you know, uh, potential there. And and that's what I think. I mean, that's, that's who I think Jordan Matthews can be Jordan Reed. Um, You know, he's not quite as athletic, not quite the, uh, the pass catcher, but um, it it does on paper. It seems like it, it should work. We've talked a lot about, you know, Trey Lance, you know, high draft pick. You've kind of briefly mentioned D'Amador Lenore and Embry Thomas just in coverage. But the guy that nobody's really talking about is the second round pick, Aaron, Aaron Banks. And like, how has his progression kind of come along? Because he seems like a guy, I feel like because nobody's talking about him, everybody's just assuming that he's just not doing well and that it was almost like a waste of a pick. You know, I, I was just talking earlier about that second string offensive line that Lance has to work behind, um, kind of uh, letting up a lot of pressure, especially up the middle. That's that's where Banks is. Banks, you know, routine, uh, I don't want to say routinely, but, um, you know, over the first, I'd say, week of practice, he was going against uh, Maurice Hurst a lot, veteran play, player. And Hurst is a lot quicker than I thought he'd be. And Hurst would get by him in a hurry. And he was right on top of Lance. Um, you know, obviously that's something that the 49ers don't want to have. So uh, it's, it's been mixed with him. I, I watched him for a full practice that, that Saturday practice in Levi stadium, I was fixated on watching Aaron Banks and um, he started out the practice. Great. Um, you know, just did everything right. He was knocking guys off the ball. He did really well in the, one-on-one drills against defensive linemen. Then towards the end, uh, when they were doing that move the ball stuff I was talking about, 
um, more more often than not, he was the one that was uh, the culprit in, in some of the uh, the breakthroughs by the line. So it's just been this up and down. Uh, I don't think the 49ers are, are willing to uh, put a rookie in when it is inconsistent like that. I, I feel like they feel like, okay, we got Daniel Brunskill. He's going to be fine. He's not going to be an all pro, the second coming of uh, Steve Hutchinson or anything like that. But he does afford us some time to to bring um, Aaron Banks along to the point where we think that he's he's ready to be a starter. Um, but um, it, it's certainly not happening yet. I mean, Brunskill, this week at least, Brunskill's taken all of the right guard snaps. So um, he's going to be the guy on Saturday against the Chiefs. The question is um, whether Banks has enough time to make a move between now and week one. I'm starting to doubt it, but again, I, I don't think it's a, a huge deal. I think that's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, uh, but but maybe in the first uh, you know third of the season. What about some of the other backup <laughs> offensive linemen? Uh, and as little has been written about Aaron Banks, even less has been talked about with the fifth round pick in Jalen Moore. Is he playing guard? Is he playing tackle? How has he looked? And what about the fifth rounder from the year before in Colton McKivitz? What's that backup unit even going to look like? Who's, who is anybody looking like they're, they're taking hold of a roster spot there? Yeah, I think, I think Jalen Moore uh, definitely is. I mean, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, on draft day, they were talking about using him as a guard, but then Justin school went down with that uh, ACL injury in June and all of a sudden, they needed a, a swing tackle. School was in that spot uh, to begin OTAs. And so Moore took over that spot at that point. And he's really been holding off Sean Coleman uh, for that swing tackle spot to this point. Uh, just like I was, I was talking about with Brunskill, uh, there had been a little bit of back and forth between Coleman and Moore as far as backup left tackle. That, that hasn't been the case this week. It's been all Moore. And you'll see him uh, in that in, in that second team group, um, you know, protecting Trey Lance uh, against the Chiefs. I, I've watched him closely, too. I remember school um, as a rookie a couple of years ago. He, he uh, the, the, the difference between school and Moore, I think, is pretty significant. Moore is the better. He's a better athlete. His, his feet are quicker. He's not giving up as many pressures and sacks. I think the 49ers are encouraged by it. I mean, if you're a team expecting to to go to the Super Bowl, though, and your swing tackle is a rookie, I mean, I I think that's an area of concern. But so far, Sean Coleman has not, um, I don't feel like, hasn't come close to overtaking more for that spot. Don't you think the 49ers would have preferred Aaron Banks win the right guard job so Brunskill could be that swing tackle? Because he did such a good job a couple years ago when he filled in for an injured Joe Staley. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the 49ers see him, see his future as an interior guy. I think they see him as the future center for this team. So I think that's where they want him to to concentrate more right now. Um, yeah, to me, the, the question is Sean Coleman. I, I, don't, I haven't really figured out what it is about him that the 49ers are, are waiting to see. Um, but, uh, you know, he, remember Sean Coleman, he, he has yet to play a, a real snap for this team despite being on this team since 2017. Uh, he got hurt uh, in 2018 in the preseason. And at that point, the 49ers were really high on him. They thought that he was almost starter level uh, at tackle. But, I mean, that, that, that obviously hasn't uh, come to pass this year because he's, he's working with the threes right now. 
So I, I don't know if they're just giving him a long, long leash to sort of wind back up to that level or whether he can ever kind of reattain that level. But, you know, the same thing with, with Aaron Banks. We're starting to run out of time uh, for these guys to make these big moves to, to make the team. A real chance for just a better overall offense for the 49ers in 2021, either with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo or with the rookie Trey Lance. What about the defensive side of the ball? How close to 2019 can this be for that unit? Where are they at heading into the preseason next? You want in on the action? Well, you can get some at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports Bet Online even has awards, TV shows, and reality TV you can bet on. Table games, poker, blackjack, real time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And oh yeah, back to the sports. NFL props, futures, offensive, defensive rookies of the year, Super Bowl champions, win totals, Major League Baseball all summer long. We've got any number of other things you can get in on the action at betonline.ag. Just remember to tell them that Locked On sent you the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports, and it's free to sign up. Just go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. One of the other positions, aside from wide receiver, actually there's a couple. It was defensive end, cornerback, and wide receiver. Those were sort of my worries coming into training camp from the 49ers. And it's great to see D Ford on the field. Let's start with the defensive line. Great to see D Ford on the field. Uh, how is he moving? Is he looking like vintage D Ford? Is he that same guy athletically, even if he's only playing a handful of snaps per game? Can he be that for a limited number of snaps for the 49ers? He's, he's not there yet, and I think he'd be the first to tell you that, um, you know, at his uh, apex, he is one of the best guys off the snap. Um, but I, I think he'd also uh, tell you he's encouraged that he's he's on his way there. Uh, he seems to do a little bit more each week, get, get a little bit faster each week. You know, I, I think the thing that's got him encouraged the most is that this is the third time he's dealt with uh, a serious back injury, and he's had surgeries the, the previous two times. Each time, each year, each season after those surgeries, he's had a really good season. The last surgery came in, um, I think, 2017. And then in 2018 was that year he played just a huge amount of snaps for the Chiefs. And I, I forget what the sack totals were, but that's his best year to date. So I, I think he feels like even though he's missed uh, a full season with this back injury, uh, his bounce backs in the past have been high enough that he feels like he can, you know, like you said, be that uh, peak level D4 that we've seen before. You mentioned uh, Mo Hurst earlier, and, and, and when Croc and I did our roster projection, we had Mo Hurst making the roster, and I, I've really liked him ever since his college days. I'm not really sure what was going on with the Raiders letting him go. That was a head-scratcher. But uh, Arden Key, uh, my folks – that follow the Raiders closely were like, no, he's garbage. You, you, you don't want any part of Arden <laughs> Key. But it sounds like uh, he just hated his time there and it wasn't a fit and that he might be making his way onto the roster. And, I mean, if Abelcom's hurt and Ford's not going to play and, and Bosa's not going to play, they'll probably not play any snaps in the preseason. Yeah. Um, is Arden Key even going to start this preseason game for the 49ers? Is he at that point now? Well, I, I think he will start this game. I mean, I, I think there's a question about whether Abelcom will be in. He, he seemed close to returning to practice today. So, 
he's on the field tomorrow. I guess that means that uh, he can he can play on Saturday. But um, you know, uh, if if Key doesn't start, he's playing an awful lot of snaps in the first half. And like you, I mean, uh, the athletic is full of Raiders writers who uh, can't you know can't uh, uh, restrain themselves from commenting on Key and and what an underachiever he was and how he's going to be a bust. He's been pretty consistently good for this for the 49. He played a lot of snaps because of the the injuries and uh, the outstanding players that you just mentioned. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, as far as DN snaps in training camp, he's got the most. Uh, I, I don't think it's even close. Uh, so um, he should be well conditioned to play for this team uh, in the preseason. He's been consistently beating. I don't know what this says about McGlinchey and, and the other offensive lineman, but he's, he's been in the backfield quite a bit. Now, I think that's going to be one of the sort of the interesting things to monitor in this chiefs game, which is, is this 49ers defensive line as awesome as they think it is, or is it more a, uh, an issue with the offensive lines that the 49ers are rolling out? And I think uh, these preseason games ought to, ought to provide a nice indication of that. So Ambry Thomas was an interesting draft pick, you know, in my opinion, right? Because he was this press corner. Everything he did was from press alignment. Even when he ran zone, it was like he was reading out concepts from a press alignment and maybe bailing out and reading zones. And then you come to the 49ers, and I'm not sure exactly what their scheme is now. So so first, kind of talk to me a little bit about what are they doing on a consistent basis? Have they been more of a man team? I hear that they've gone to a lot more too high, but are the corners pressing or they're playing more off coverage? I think they're, I feel like they're pressing more uh, than they did. And I don't know, uh, you know, that they, they switch in and out of these things pretty quickly and um, you know, new defensive coordinator and a new secondary coach. So there's, there's some assessing of what these guys can and can't do. What I do know is that Jason Verrett is excellent in press coverage. And so when he's at the top of his game, there's nobody better at that than him. So my, my sense is that, they're going to want to incorporate that as well. And, and that's why they drafted Ambry Thomas. And, and that's why they, they like uh, Diamondor Lenore too, because both of these guys did that in college. So there was, there was tape to study uh, to encourage the 49ers that they can do that. So I think it's going to be something where it, it, it varies from game to game, but um, over the course of a season, Eric, I think you'll see that 49ers end up playing more press and I think it, it's going to have to do with, you know, who's on the, the field side and who's on the, uh, the boundary side. Uh, but uh, my bet is that it'll be more aggressive, more press coverage this year. And I, I was sort of scared that you were going to ask about Ambry Thomas and how's he doing. He, he hasn't leapt out to me in, in either way. I mean, um, which is both good and bad. I mean, there aren't the, uh, the amazing – past defenses that Verrett is having and it's certainly not being picked on uh, practice after practice. My sense is that he's, he's just fine. I mean, I, I watch uh, Corey Unlin, who's the new cornerbacks coach and Unlin is working with Lenore all the time. Um, always kind of giving him, you know, uh, tips on technique and, and going over a play and this, that, and the other, those two are always together. Um, he's not doing that with, um, with Ambry Thomas, which, which tells me that there's just not as much to, to coach up there. Uh, so my sense is that everything is going smoothly 
with Thomas so far. Um, I don't think he's going to start the season at uh, at one of the outside spots. I think that's going to be Mosley's spot. But I mean, you know, uh, there, there's going to be injuries at some point, and so uh, I think that they're pretty uh, confident that uh, Thomas will be able to step in at some point. You had Harris, who was cut. You had Mosley. He started off on the you know the COVID list, and I was like, man, let's see if one of these young guys can take advantage of the opportunity. It doesn't look like they did. But then you got Mosley who comes back. And it sounds like he's kind of coming back, maybe like reinventing himself in a different person. It sounds like he's doing well. What's kind of your thoughts or your evaluations on what he has looked like since coming back? Yeah, he has looked good. I'm, I'm always leery about these guys when they come back because they, they've got fresh legs and these other guys are 10 days into training camp. So he looked good and John Jennings, who was also on the COVID, good, uh, COVID list, also looked good. So there may be a, a common <laughs> denominator there, but um, you know, mostly he's been involved with a lot of plays, a lot of batted balls. He had a, a pick of Jimmy Garoppolo in the, in the end zone, um, yesterday, um, probably would have ended up being a, a hundred yard plus touchdown for him. To me, I, I thought that he looks a little bit stronger than, than he did. And, and maybe that's in preparation for more press and, and, and whatnot, um, he just seemed to be carrying a little bit more weight and a little bit more confidence uh, in these practices. He's looked really good these uh, these last few days. So um, I, I'm sure that's something the 49ers will hope to see uh, against the Chiefs as well. You know, he came out, he was 185 pounds. He, had, he was up and down. I remember last year they elected to play uh, Akilah Witherspoon and even Dante Johnson in the slot over Emmanuel Mosley. So for him to kind of come back and – and really respond in the way which he has. And, I, and if I haven't learned anything from Shanahan, is one thing is he's he's very upfront with the guys, with where they are with him, probably their spots on the roster. And I wonder if he had a talking to him because, like you said, kind of coming back and getting his body right and coming in and, and looking good, I, I think that's probably bodes well for the team because he was a guy, or not just him, but 49ers were looking at it like, who's going to be corner opposite of Jason Verrett? Yeah, I mean, um, if you go back to last year, mostly started out the season as a starter and then had a really tough week one against DeAndre Hopkins and, and the Cardinals. And and I think that, um, you know, that, that kind of echoed throughout the season. Um, and so if he, if he comes in more confident, um, you know, making more plays, I, I think that's that's great from from the get go. Uh, because uh, you're right. I mean, uh, it, it, it was definitely up and down starting with week one last year. Matt, let's finish this up with the back end of the defense with the safeties, and Jimmy Ward sounds like he's Jimmy Ward, but uh, Tart with the toe injury, pup list, maybe not going to be ready for the regular season. Uh, there's the rookie Talanoa Hufanga, where Croc and I had both had questions. Is he going to be able to hold up in coverage? as an NFL safety or is he going to be a hybrid linebacker type player? They brought in Tavon Wilson, who's been starting in his place. And it's, it even sounded like Kyle Shanahan was maybe just sort of tired of the injuries when it came to Tart and, and heard a little bit too. And he was answering those questions about those guys. Should the, should, the, should we be worried a little bit about what's going on there at strong safety specifically? Yeah. I mean, um, I'd say no, because, uh, Tavon Wilson has come in and it's like, he's been here for the last 10 years. I mean, he and, uh, Jimmy Ward have really, um, been good together. I mean, it's, it's like they've, uh, they've known each other all their lives, which of course is 
actually the case with with Ward and Tart. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it just uh, you know speaks to Tavon Wilson's experience. I mean, he's he's played everywhere. Uh, he's done both free and strong safety. He's he's come in. I mean, that that's one of the surprises, pleasant surprises of the off season is what a pro this guy's been. So I, I don't think as long as those two are your starters, I, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of issues there. And then Hufanga, you know, he, he, he impresses me. I mean, he really shows up in these padded practices, gives uh, everybody a big thud in, um, in the, you know, the ball carriers uh, passing game run game. And then today he had a, a really nice interception of, of Josh Rosen. And you're right. I mean, that's the question. He's not a fast guy. Um, he, he makes his bones around the line of scrimmage, which is what, you know, uh, Marcel Harris was. And they ended up switching him to linebacker. Uh, so today was a, a, a good, you know, a, a good notch in his belt, a deep throw. He had to run back, reached up with one hand and grabbed it out of the air. It was a, a terrific play. I mean, there is a palpable energy when Hufanga is on the field. I mean, you, you know when he's out there, and I think he gives the units that he's on some personality, some chemistry. Um, and I think that goes for special teams. And, you know, eventually I think he, he comes in and plays on defense as well. And um, I, I think that's a, that's a good thing. I, I think he, he's a nice fit for a very aggressive defense. I'm starting Trey Lance and Trent Sherfield in my preseason week one fantasy football team. Do you think that's a smart move, Matt? Oh, yeah. I think that's a genius move. You're going to get some uh, some ground yards from Lance. I think uh, if the 49ers are smart, they get Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk out of there too sweet, very mm-hmm. fast, because they've been, they've been excellent. But like I said, the drop-off, uh, after them is great. And, and the 49ers, you know, frankly, would, would be in uh, a, a tough situation if either of them got hurt. Um, and then, you know, thirdly, just gives more opportunities for guys like Sherfield, um, who, who needs it. Um, and, uh, you know, more guys to sort of step up and, and seize that spot. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Hurd's going to play in this game. Um, my thought actually is that he will. He needs to. He's going to want to. I mean, he gets in on uh, 11 on 11 stuff. So um, you would think that if, if he's okay to play at all, um, he's going to get in there. So one of these guys, like I said, needs to sort of seize the opportunity. And Hurd and Juwan Jennings, uh, I, I think, are, are probably the, the two that have the, the biggest chance to do that. Fantastic stuff. One of the greatest in the business. That is Matt Barrows at Matt Barrows on Twitter. Find all of his work at theathletic.com. Matt, appreciate it. Oh, and you're, you're going to be at an event Friday, right? With, with uh, the Candlestick Chronicles guy. They got their own hazy beer. I actually wish I could go there. I love myself a hazy. I'm not going to be there, but for a good cause, the Redwood, um, I forget what it's called, the Redwood Empire Food Bank, is it? So uh, yeah. I want to give them some props. I know they're a competing podcast, but uh, I feel like we're a community here that covers the 49ers, so I'm okay with it, and it's for a good cause. It is, and it's for a very good cause, and obviously uh, a, a lot of people up there were affected by those fires a couple of years ago. Uh, so yeah, that's happening on Friday. I think it's 7 PM and, uh, I'll be there. Matt Mayoko will be there. Uh, Chris Biederman is organizing the event. We're going to have a lot of, uh, folks up there. So, uh, lots of, uh, chances to answer everybody's 49. I might even bring 
a couple of my books uh, up there. Uh, if anybody wants a uh, a freebie with the old signature in it, that, that's got to okay. increase the uh, the value of that thing by at least like sixty five cents. Or now we're talking uh, a Matt Barrows <laughs> book signing happening now in Santa Rosa at Cooper's two. Brewery. I can spare two. I, I you know what? Maybe maybe hey, I will have to make go. a run and bring it. I got my copy of Matt Barrows. If these walls could talk, right here in my hands. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, Matt. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks again to Matt Barrows. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Croc and I back tomorrow to preview preseason game number one, 49ers Chiefs, right here, Locked On 49ers.